Hey, warriors, welcome to the Untamed Life podcast, where we are breaking free from those chains of the past and rising to lead extraordinary lives. I believe it's time for us to ditch the rules of this world that are keeping us enslaved in the grind, playing from behind, and instead opt into a conscious and strategic upgrade, one that is founded in spiritual principles that can only be accessed through the power of the heart. So if you are craving deeper, more meaningful relationships, vibrant bodies full of life force, true prosperity in all arenas, and a life of adventure, this podcast is for you. My name is Christine Jewell. I'm a high-performance coach and spiritual mentor, and together we will awaken the king or queen you are destined to be so that you can experience the fullness of life that's waiting for you. Let's dive in. All right, welcome back to another episode of The Untamed Life. It's Christine Jewell, and today I am excited about this conversation. I say every episode is my favorite episodes because I'm just passionate about the things we talk about. And today I'm joined by George Bryan. And really, I just want to say before I give like a proper intro on this guy that I just have to say, I got so sick and tired of the BS I saw in the business space, in the traditional masterminds, the marketing space. I was so turned off. And then when I came across this guy's message and this guy's content, I was like, oh, finally, somebody understand. Somebody gets what is going on on the other side of the table. And I was really drawn into his message. It resonates with me. It's like a full yes. And this is a man with heart. He's a father. He's a leader. He's an entrepreneur. He is a marketing guru. I love what he stands for. Um, He's helped hundreds of companies across the globe ethically scale, the king of scaling ethically, doing relationship-centered marketing, Um, and deepening relationships with customers by out-caring the competition. And I just love that whole thing, because whenever we think of competition and caring, they usually don't go into the same message. But I just want to celebrate you and say thank you for being here. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I am absolutely honored. So I'm so glad that our paths crossed. I love it. I love it. So I just want to dive right into that, you know, your whole signature, you have so many signature lines. I have a couple of them here that I, you know, relationships speak algorithms. Well, first of all, I want to say that was definitely one of the things that popped off the page right at me. Before we get into your backstory and all that, I just want to set some context, you know, because a lot of my listeners and the people that have been following me, I also work with leaders and a lot of them are actually stuck in an old school. I call it the old school hustle grind mentality where they almost feel like they have a split personality, I think, right? Like they got to be one person at work in order to be successful. And then there's like this other life and it's just like kind of creates this like Jekyll and Hyde or split personality. And I think it's ultimately what just ends up tearing our soul apart. But I love how you, your whole thing, relationships beat algorithms. Like, can you just tell us with that. Obviously, it's self-explanatory, but like for those of it, yeah. us who need to be hit over the head with a two by four. Yeah, I, I love this. And you know, like, I'll give some context for the frame for everybody is that I, I live this way now because I didn't always used to. And I went through it all, almost bankruptcy, miserable, depressed, adrenal fatigue, yeah. attempted my life, addiction, because I tried to thrive in a transactional world. And I didn't learn the lessons because I'm stubborn as shit. And so the only way the universe teaches me is when I just ride it the rails until it's all gone. And then 
I learned the right way. And, and it happened, I wish I could say once, but it probably happened about seven times before I kind of like woke up. And where it all came from actually was really, really interesting. I was in the jungle at like probably one of the lows in my life and career. And I was sitting with a shaman and uh, I was doing the traditional thing. Like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And of course, you know, in traditional amazing leadership capacity, just kept asking me questions. And one day he's like, well, no one can tell you that, but you have no idea what you want to do. So sit with it and sit with it. And I sat with it for like four days and all I got on a piece of paper and I wrote this down was to stand with structure in the face of resistance to create possibility. And it kind of became a guiding mantra, mantra for my life. And as the time went on, my, my son was born, my daughter was getting older. And I started to have this really deep perspective of like the fragility of time and life. Yes. And I, I really like I healed. I took my journey and, and I really started to notice that my entire life, all I ever wanted was relationships. Like I grew up in a pretty tumultuous home childhood trauma, war, combat, you name it. I've been through it, but I always kept trying to come back to people, but I was missing. And so I asked myself this really deep question. I said, how am I going to measure my success? Like, how am I going to tangibly measure my success? And what I ended up saying to myself is my success is not how many people show up at my funeral. It's how many people stay in my family's life when I'm gone. Mm. And it caused a whole lot of thinking and it caused this massive perspective shift in business and in everything. And I changed the lens in which I saw everything. And it was a stark reminder that no matter how technologically advanced we are on the other side of everything we do is a human being making a decision. Yes. And it's really fun to watch the gurus quote Maya Angelou and say, they'll never remember what they said. They'll always remember how you made them feel. But yet 99% of our time is sitting here trying to run manipulative paradigms or marketing to convince somebody to feel something rather than actually build a relationship so that they can. And I started to really take this fine tooth comb in these principles and I started applying them to businesses. And I'm talking small businesses, big businesses, and magic happened. Two companies went to a billion, over a hundred went to eight, nine figures. And they were like, George, what's the secret? And I was like, people are the fucking secret, like people, like no one ever in their right mind about to make a purchasing decision, whips out their credit card when they feel unsafe or unseen. And I was like, but yet all you talk about is wanting to scale and build a business. And I was like, but the transaction comes after a relationship. And so about seven years ago, everybody told me I was crazy. And they're like, you're full of shit. This isn't going to work. And like, they told me I was crazy for about four years and now everybody's got the memo. They're like, oh, I burnt a lot of bridges. People aren't talking nicely about me. They don't feel great around me. And it's just a very, very stark reminder of like why we do all of this. Business is great. Money is great. But everything comes as the byproduct of a successful relationship. No matter if it's one-to-one -one or one-to-many, we have to realize that marketing doesn't advocate us from humanity. And humanity is the base of everything that we do. And so the easiest way after seven years of running around, it was like, I put the human back into marketing. I make people care. I, uh, everyone feels valuable, whether they give their credit card or not. One of my team members looked at me and he said, you know, relationships beat algorithms I'm like that. That is it. That is, that is so, so true that until we're at a point where there's some AI-based technology making purchasing decisions for you, and matching your emotional capacity, it's always going to be humanity. 
And it's always going to be people. And no matter which way we slice it, how people feel and how we make people feel in our ecosystem is the biggest needle mover that we can actually control that simplifies the entire game of business and marketing. And so that's kind of the long about way of how it got to today. Mm. So much gold in there too. So many jumps, manipulation, manipulative paradigms that we've all bought into. And I think like, it doesn't matter what kind of relationship we're in. When you said transaction after relationship, because I mean, I do a lot of relationship coaching in terms of intimacy and we are entering into our love relationships the way we're doing business and the way we're doing business is messed up. So we need to almost like invert the whole thing. Not almost. We need to invert the whole thing and build a relationship before we start asking. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Well, and like, and, and here's the thing, like we, we got to realize too, that like, it's really easy to be like, oh, add a funnel, add an upsell. Like you got, you got to remember transactions are sexy. But there's the complacency of the people that are promoting them, but there's also the complicitness in the people that are consuming them, yeah. right? And so there's a massive paradigm shift that has to be, and, and here's an easy thing. Like I'm a, I'm a simple guy, right? I tell everybody there's only three colors of crayons in my box. It's black, white, and pink, right? I was a Marine. I don't claim to be a genius. I want it simple. But my number one litmus test is like, how would you feel if your wife, husband, grandmother, daughter, son went in that funnel? How would you feel if they got off that call with your customer service team? How would you feel if they got off that sales meeting? And all of a sudden, this whole moment collapses down and you're like, oh, shit. And it creates this massive perspective because like at the end of the day, businesses aren't built on transactions. They're built on movements and relationships with people aligned around them. And most of our businesses don't grow from the people who buy. It's from all the people they tell. And all the people that speak encouraging words about our brand and about our business due to their interactions and a relationship with us. Yeah. And like, that's the secret. And it is. And it's like, it's funny because even in the last two weeks, I had calls with multiple leaders who actually, you know, like CEOs or people at the top. And so they're not necessarily, I mean, they're looking at numbers, right? But they're not Mm -hmm. there face-to-face with the end user. And and one in particular was like, what is going on? There's a mass exodus inside of our organization. And it's like, your people are your, your consumer. They're like your end user, right? So I'm, I'd love to even unpack that side of the conversation. I would love to. You know? I'll unpack it all. We're always talking about the end, end product, but it's like our people, if you're a leader, if you're a CEO or you're at, you know, I don't want to say a higher level. I don't even like this word higher level, lower level. You're just in a different seat in a different room. You have a different vantage yep. point. Like, what do you think have like, wh- like we got to shift something in the atmosphere at the top so that, cause I mean, I just see a different whole new future for companies and the way we do business in the future where companies are actually able to scale. Cause like the inside is really healthy, but I think people are always looking for like one more tactic, one more tool, one more training. It's the same shit, different day. And it's like, if you don't get something right here, nothing else is going to get. Well, like one of, one of the things that I famously said that pissed somebody off, but it was the greatest keynote ever is, uh, I said, nobody has a marketing problem. Everybody has a relationship problem. And I said with themselves, their team and their customers informed in that order. Right. And so like, we have to remember Yeah, it's yourself, your team, and then your customers. Is that like if you are in an organization and you have 30 people that work for you and you're not interfacing with the end user, they are. And their interactions with the end users are based on the culture and the relationship they have inside of your ecosystem. 
And so we get upset that we don't get the results that we want, but yet we don't ask ourselves the question of like, how do we get to reinvent ourselves or how can I show up differently or how can I create an environment that allows them to thrive and allows their humanity in? And, and there's this massive broken paradigm post-industrial revolution, like check boxes, go punch the clock. Well, yeah. we live in a different time with different thinking and our greatest asset is the people that are on our team and not getting them to do something our way, but giving them the space to do it their way. Yeah, and yeah. their way is where we start to make a massive, massive impact. But I think in the last, you know, let's call it a decade. I mean, I've been in digital marketing for 15 years, but what's really, really started to happen is that we got spoiled for a while in the early days that everything was like an industrial line, like turn this on, put this out, this works. And what I love is that the paradigm of society right now, the paradigm of people and what's happening is it's forcing this massive, massive paradigm shift to where we don't just get to build linear things. Like human beings are not linear. Customer journeys are not linear. They're a series of systems based on relationships. And whether you like it or not, humanity and people are at the core of everything that you do. And if you refuse to look at that, no strategy and tactic will ever change that. It might prolong the pain, but it will never cure what's underneath it. So good. So true. We are multidimensional creatures. We're multidimensional. And I love this conversation about like the multidimensional business, you know, and like I love, I wrote that down. We are not in a linear world and we're not in an industrial world anymore. It is a new world, right? It's a new world, people. There's a new way of doing business. And and I love what, what you said is like, we just prolong the pain. And some of us, damn, we're good. We are good at taking the pain. We're addicted to taking the pain. Thousand percent. What is up with all those leaders? All of us. And I'm, I'll raise my hand too, because I know you said, I usually have to get beat down. Oh yeah. And I think that like, there's this part of us that is like proud of it. I saw in your bio that you did triathlons and all the things. And and, like, we have so many similarities with the addictive, you know, addictions in our household and the chaos. And I think like part of that is just like a set point. A lot of entrepreneurs and people have gone through these tumultuous things. And at some point we get to ask ourselves, like, do I need to keep having everything burned down before I can like stop this insanity, right? Like well, how I do think you get into the space where people become more proactive. Like, do you actually think everyone needs the total breakdown? There's always a question, right? Does every do we need the total breakdown before the breakthrough? How can yeah. we begin to shift that? Well, I think I think there's a more important question, right? For years I thought and and I thrived myself on being an addict, uh, whatever. I was the yeah. best at everything, right? Anything I touched turned to gold. But I never asked the real question is not what I was addicted to. It's like what I was addicted to avoiding. Yeah. And what I was addicted to avoiding was the relationship that I'm guaranteed to spend the rest of my life with, which is myself. Right. And so if things were calm and things were smooth, I would break things because I would intrinsically extract my value thinking that if I could fix this or focus my attention there that I was valuable again, but really what it was, it was this inability to sit with myself, right? Because we also live in a world where your attention is the number one traded commodity that exists to this day, no matter which way you slice it. And the world that we live in is designed so that you're always giving it to somebody else, but yourself. And so that's why entrepreneurship is like one of the greatest addictions in the world. 
because it's a never ending pool of things that you can focus on to distract yourself from. And so it took me a lot of time to really dive in and ask myself, like, what am I avoiding? And what I was really afraid of was to be by myself. Like we don't live in a culture where it's like, go outside by yourself for three hours or no, we live in a culture where there's always something directly in front of us. And we have to ask ourselves what it's really, really preventing. It's really preventing us to be in a relationship with ourselves and our best decisions, our best moments, our most clarity, like the strongest muscle that we have is the one with ourselves. But yet we live in a world that perpetuates not celebrating that, not flexing that and not using that. And so, no, I don't think the breakthrough has to come from the breakdown, but I think there's a massive level of self-integrity required to really check your barometer of like why you're doing certain things. Like, what's the payoff? Like, what am I avoiding? Like, where am I getting by doing this? And it, we're all guilty of it. Like, I, I, I did it yesterday. I mean, like, I've been sick for five days. And the hardest part was not logging into anything for five days, knowing it was all handled and me crying on the couch about like how unvaluable I am. And yet yeah. my team's like, I'm glad you took a couple of days off. And I'm like, oh, I emotionally pirated myself, right? Like I was like <laughs> refusing to be in the moment. Yeah. But I think it's this like, constant pursuit that we need to bring awareness to, right? Like, why are we doing this? Where are we going? Like, what are we getting out of this? And really checking in with ourselves, because if you live in the world that we live in and you're not intentional about it, you become a byproduct of the world's paradigm, not the one that you're creating. And it doesn't matter if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a solopreneur, if you work in a corporate company, if you have a team of a hundred, at the end of the day, we're all 100% responsible for how we show up. But if we ignore that and we neglect it, or if we put that second to everything else, we're guaranteed to live in a world of reactivity where we extract our value based on how many things we can do, how much we can hustle, how much things are broken. And I'm just like lucky enough that I learned those lessons. And now I don't have to break down to break through, but it doesn't make the feeling any easier. It still hurts when my wife's like, Hey, babe, you've been really disconnected for the last 10 days. And every ounce of me wants to whip out the measuring stick of like what I got done that week and what I did. And the hardest muscle is to be like, wow, baby, I hear you. Thank you. And then sit with that feeling. But for years, I couldn't because no matter which way I turn and slice it at my fingertips is some place to distract myself, some place to numb, some place to put that energy and attention which by the way, for everybody listening knows that when you hit the finish line, you still feel like shit when you get there because there was no payoff. What's the next race? What's the next, what's the next medal or whatever. And so I, I I think there's a lot going on, but I, I think what it really boils down to, like if I could summarize 15 years of therapy into one conversation, it's instead of going out to go in and really acknowledge and coexist with myself and practice that relationship with myself. And, and that's been like, I hate to say it and I can't simplify all the therapy and all the plant medicine, everything that gets down to it. But if I really was to summarize like the number one biggest breakthrough for the most abundance, for the easiest team, for all marketing to work has always been when I take the time to go in, not to go out. And it's not something that's celebrated. It's not something that's, you know, culturally there. It's not, you don't have offices where people like, Oh, I want you to go take a mental health date or go meditate for 20 minutes. Right. But yet That's like the most celebrated thing that we can do in helping people be more of themselves to then give more of themselves into whatever they're putting their energy into. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's definitely the hardest. I mean, I know also in the work I do, it's always like getting out of their head just for that yep. moment, That those first assignments of go hang out by yourself, take yourself out, no phone. Right? One of the first exercises I always give, even though men and women, is just to take themselves out on a date without a yep. phone. And it's like the awkwardness and like the heebie-jeebies and like, oh, viscerally, you have to hang out with yourself. But I think that the bigger issue and then also how it translates into not the bigger issue, but ultimately how this translates into our business is like, and I could just speak this from my own experiences. I could not trust my decisions. I could not trust my intuition. I could not trust my gut knowing whether it's like what, you know, we were just talking about the colors of our brands before this podcast started. Like, what thing do I want to launch? What event? What, who do we get to hire? Who do, who, who's got to let go? I, I mean, ultimately, I do believe we all, we already know the answers, but we are, it's like, there's that veil, you know, that keeps us dumb and confused. And until we get that time with ourselves, then we are not in the trusting. And so there's no structure. There's no mm-hmm. structure that ma- that good masculine structure of business is gone, and we end up operating from. You know, well, and how can how can you trust how can you trust something that you never get to practice, yeah. right? Like we live in a world where every single thing, marketing included, like this is somewhat of the evil of marketing, where everything that is created and done, myself included, is to teach you to trust me versus mm-hmm. yourself. That yeah. I have your solution. That I have a path for you, right? And that's where. My job comes in so much. It's because when I say it, I fucking mean it. Like I fucking mean it because it's the only way that I can live without being depressed and suicidal because like my word is all that I have, but we also have to have the reps with ourselves to be able to discern what's right and what's wrong. And I I think it's even deeper in entrepreneurship where like thinking that there is a right and a wrong decision because there's, there's not. Just right, like one. and trust and go with it. <laughs> like there, there really is like what's marketing? Marketing is rewrapping whatever you have to offer as many times as required to try a ton of new things until it works. That's marketing. That's it. What yeah. are like what are relationships? Right, like yeah, great. I'm sure all of us have the handbooks for perfect monogamous marriages or perfect parenting. No, it's literally getting reps to develop and find principles or things that we stand for but then constantly in pursuit of reinventing ourselves and trying things until they work. And once they work, we keep them. If they don't work, we adjust them. And then we keep going and going and going. But I think there's this massive, massive problem. Like, like for example, like your exercise that you give, I love that. I always joke that if you ever want to see a ton of millionaires run like cockroaches, put them in a mastermind and tell them they have to do a one hour a day stillness practice. Because the first time I assigned that to my mastermind members, I was like, listen, Tomorrow morning, I need you all to blindly commit that you're going to listen to me. You pay me money to listen to me. And they're like, yeah, 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 cool. I'm like, tomorrow morning, as soon as you wake up, no phone, no world, no nothing. You set your alarm early. You have to sit still for an hour. No phone, no music, no notepad. You have to practice boredom. And I have never seen so many questions minus like five-year-old gym class in my life. What about this? What about? Right? And I was like, does great. This Does this count as stillness? Great, right? And it's this, it's so nuts to me. That we have this aversion because of how our attention is commoditized, that the one thing that we all want more of later in life is the thing that we like neglect and try to get away from. Like we make it bad to say no to dinner or, oh, I can't believe you're just going to go sit on a walk or yeah, no, that's exactly what I'm going to fucking do. That's exactly what I do. I'm going to go stare at the mountain and I'm going to have gratitude for every ounce of my life. The fact that I get to take a breath and I'm not constantly being pulled in all these different directions. And 
my buddy Alex Sharfin says this the best. I, I fucking, I, I have to give credit every time I think about it. He says, if you're constantly fighting fires, you're probably the arsonist. Oh, I'm going to, I have to steal that because this is the conversation I always tell my people. If you're always fighting fires, you're probably the arsonist. The arsonist. Yeah. I say, are you always reacting to the fire under your ass? Yeah. Instead of leading from the fire in your heart. Ooh, that's a good one too. That's a tweet. Right? They're both, but it, I like that because you, you realize, and I mean, again, how many conversations that I have in the last two weeks and they're always about like, oh, this is happening with our team. Oh, this, we're losing this person. Oh, this is happening inside my marriage. I mean, it's always putting out a fire, putting out a fire. It's like, yo, baby, you know who the common denominator here is? <laughs> and me. Um, but I, I want to go back to the integrity thing. So yeah. I, and, and I just, I'm a big, you know, I love, I love my solo time, but I want to, I just want to remind everyone here that like, this does not come easy. It takes work and it's radically uncomfortable at the beginning. And I remember, you know, going on a bike ride many, many years ago and I was on my road bike and I was out and I, I had been dating someone for a long time. I was always in like groups and Pelotons and like always part of training circles. And I remember the time after my ex and I broke up and he was a huge cyclist and stuff. And and I remember just sitting there on this long bike ride by myself with the tears streaming down, like, oh, I have nobody to train with. I have nobody that, and I'm, and I'm all alone. And I, and meanwhile, I'm sitting here in the most magnificent countryside on this beautiful bike. Now it's like, I can't wait to get out there by myself, just mm -hmm. me and my bike or me and the skis, me and the paddleboard. But there is that really awkward time transition of just you know we we get robbed of all the beauty we get robbed of all the beauty and we get robbed of all that joy and just all that wisdom that wants to pour out in the direction and i think that i know i could just speak for myself like at that time i was running a holistic health and wellness studio bricks and mortar facility and when i first started that business i want to, i want to bring this up about integrity because when I first started that business, it was pure passion. Like I was coaching triathlon. I was loving it. Everyone's like, you can't make money doing fitness. I was like, I'm, you know, I think we both have a nutrition background. I know I heard about the food blog thing, but it's like, I did it with heart. And it was like, I opened a gorilla style. There's nothing like a very grassroots. And it was just so much love and it grew organically and it was amazing. And then I hired the experts the business experts, the marketing gurus that came in and told me how I was doing everything wrong. And it, I mean, there was some good elements of that business coaching. I'm not going to knock it all, right? Like, know your numbers. Yes, I was very loose. Like, I needed some structure. So there was some good things. But something dangerous started to happen when I stopped trusting my gut. And I started implementing all of their systems. And it was like, I remember, George, when somebody said, Did, do you even write these emails anymore? Like, this doesn't even sound like you. And I think you were the one that said, like, if your soul needs a shower after you do these things. And I just felt so, like, ugh, out of integrity. But I kept, you know, it was like I was fighting myself and I couldn't trust myself because I had never cultivated. A, I'd never cultivated that you know, time with my spirit, time to get to know and like really trust myself on execution. Cause I thought I got to where I got by accident, <laughs> but now I realize like the less I plan actually, and the more I just tune in and do this, but like what I want to come back to in all of that is this, this idea of like, where do we fall out of integrity? You know, and I know for me, how do we get back into it and in business, in 
Like after you've invested all this money, now you've got all these systems and like, you're like, shoot, this stuff is not working. And I'm the arsenal. I'm literally like, and then they just pour more money into things. Like how which money solves problems, right? But not yes and no, not really. <laughs> so like, how do we get back into integrity at that level? I mean, we've already been talking about that, you know, yeah. there's some wealth people. Um, well, I think, I, th- I think, I think the first part is like, you, you, you have to be willing to take a serious integrous look at what's going on, right? Like the reason businesses always work in the beginning is because they're fully aligned on what actually fucking matters. Mm-hmm. And most of the entrepreneurs, if not all of them that I coach, I tell, I tell everybody success looks like a Christmas tree, right? And this is a really, really important lesson to understand in the very, very beginning you have who you are, what you do, and who you help, right? And it's really narrow because you don't have the ability to waste time, to waste money, to waste energy. And so you focus. That's the trunk of your tree. That is the core of everything that you're doing. But then what happens is that some success starts to roll in, right? We get advice, we get mentors, we get whatever. And we're like, oh, we're going to scale this thing. So we go wide, right? And then we build the base of the tree. The thing that most people forget, though, is that no Christmas tree is a rectangle. They go wide and then they keep trying to go up without ever trimming back to the core of what actually matters. And when you trim back to the core of what matters, like, why are we doing this? Who are we helping? How are we helping them? You get to keep the things that worked. You get to let go of the things that didn't. But then when you go out to the next level, it never goes as wide because you've integrated that wisdom and knowledge into what you're doing. And I watch so many people become codependent on their business that they have sunk cost bias, that they have romanticism bias, that they have sunk time bias, and yet all the writing is on the wall and we're afraid to have the hard conversations and hard decisions. Well, let me tell you something right now. When you go from a half a million a year to 10 million a year, a 10 million a year to a hundred million a year, the conversations don't get any easier. The pressure doesn't get any easier but if you've never flexed that muscle, it's guaranteed to break you. And so we have to be willing to have those conversations and realize that the only guarantee is that it's going to change every day. Yeah. But what you can control is the core of what you do, not how you do it, but what you do. Because what I do and who I help is never going to change. How I help is going to change 8 million times that over the next 20 years. How I help is going to change 8 million times. And it's not up to me to decide what that looks like. It's up to me to meet the demands and needs of the market, create a container and invite people in, but I can't control the pace at which they do that. Can you expand on that how thing? Because I think that is so key. I was in a conversation (coughs) again recently, and I was like, you're in love with your product. You've become so in love with your product. And like this thing is like like sinking, right? Sinking money, sinking thing, creating so much dissent. This person is just so like, but this is the vision and it worked so well. And like, it came into my life and this is the calling. And I'm just like, sometimes things are your calling for a season and then it's time. But like, yeah, the how evolves over time. Well, and the thing to realize, like in that conversation that happened to me as well, I drove many sinking ships down to the bottom of the ocean. I was like, I'm going down with my ship and my team's like, you don't have to, you know, we can just like launch a new boat. Right. I'm like, no, fuck no. I'm going down. Right. Like, because I refuse to acknowledge that I was literally siphoning my identity based off the success of the business or product. And I was codependent on it, which was blinding my ability to see 
what was actually required to shift and go, right? And so like, I'll give an example, right? A lot of people get into this world of like, my product, my product, my product. And I was like, well, you're guaranteed to lose from the get-go because your product is not a solution. Your product was a bridge into a solution, right? And so it's like, nobody goes to the gym because it's fun to go to the gym. They go to the gym because of who they're going to become through that tool. It's a bridge to an after state, right? And the companies and the people and the entrepreneurs that lose are the ones that wrap their identity into the tool rather than realizing what the tool is creating. Yeah. The tool becomes their God. The tool becomes their God, right? And so like, for example, like in in years of coaching and courses, I mean, I've had courses, I've had books, I've had eBooks, I've had one-on-ones, I've had masterminds. I've sunsetted three masterminds. Not because the mastermind model didn't work, but who I was serving at that moment was no longer getting their needs to their afterstate met. And I had to be willing to adjust. And so the core of what I do has never changed. The wrapping paper is required to change in order to get to the result, right? And the market changes, the paradigm changes, the world changes, our understanding of science changes, technology changes. A lot of things change. And if you willingly want to ride the Titanic down, great, but don't be disillusioned that you're going to sail smoothly when you're stuck at the bottom of the fucking ocean, right? And so it comes down to what we said earlier is that we have to understand that like when we're creating a product, when we're creating an offer, when we have a course, we do coaching, if that thing stays the same, you're basically on an inevitable crash course that you're refusing to see because things are supposed to change, but it doesn't change the gift. Like an example I give to my clients, I'm like, my son's five. He's about to be six, right? If I went and bought three identical gifts and put them in three different boxes and I wrapped one with cardboard paper, if I wrapped one just in the box and I put Paw Patrol wrapping paper on one, there's only one box he's going to open. Paw Patrol all the way. The gift on the inside doesn't change. It's still the most valuable gift in the world. But if he can't see that and be attracted to that, he'll never understand that. But if I was to only give him those first two and he didn't open the box, I don't want to throw the gift out and be like, oh, the gift sucked. My job would be to change the wrapping paper to meet the needs and the demands of the audience who I'm trying to attract. Mm -hmm. And so we help people, you know, with their mindset, with relationships, with customer journey but it's different for every person. And so there's some people I do a day with, six days with, I take equity in their business. It's not my job to dictate the container. It's my job to know the gift and then create the wrapping paper that matches where they are and meet them as a human being to help them take a step in a different direction. Mm, So good. It's so true. It's just like the core of what I was doing too with the studio back in the day, you know, it's still transformation. It's still taking- Of course. As you evolve- as you grow and you go deeper. And I mean, this is like many <laughs> rebirths, death and rebirths later, right? It's like, how can my business stay the same? You know, mm-hmm. it was actually when we were talking to someone, talking to someone last week, I'm like, it's kind of, it is kind of like a ceremony where there's like a full on death and reintegration. Um, For sure. And it has to change with you. Otherwise, you, you know, if you're changing and evolving and your relationship isn't evolving or your business isn't evolving or your products, like, and I, so, it's, and I think that that comes back to the integrity conversations. Like thousand percent. Everything that I'm offering right now, the way that we're running this company, is it in integrity with who 
who I am as the leader and like what we're about and coming back. I love that Christmas tree analogy. It was really good. And also I'm receiving so much from listening to you because I like this concept of the sunsetting of certain masterminds. And, and I've done the same, right? The, the ones like I've changed names and stuff like that, but it's true. You've got to be really aware of like, when is it starting to become time to, or change the way we deliver this, right? Like I'm just, I'm totally being selfish right now, but I'm thinking about a certain program that I roll out and it's always been live. And now I'm just kind of like feeling the call to do move into something else. It's like, okay, well that thing does still exist like as a digital product or something else, but you got to- Well, I mean, like, look at, look at the state of the world. Like look at how many people were convinced that they needed to go to a gym to get a result. And yet thanks to However, you see the last couple of years of the world, there's a whole lot more fucking people that are fit and doing it in ways that they never would have thought possible. Fitness was still the goal. Fitness was still the goal. They just changed the wrapping paper to meet it. But you know, we, you alluded to this earlier when I allude to the soul shower, right? Mm -hmm. This is where a lot of entrepreneurs, leaders, people in leadership roles start to get resentment about their job. Yes. It's never that you hate your job or you hate your product, you hate your company. That's your subconscious or your conscious telling you that something is out of alignment. Yes. And the more denial that you give to it, the more evidence collects and it gets worse and worse and worse. And so like in our company, my team included, like if they don't want to do something anymore, because like this isn't fucking fun, they get to tell me and I'm like, okay, what's fun? And like, this would be more fun. You're using my language about just like, you're using my language about the evidence and the resentment being a massive, like, pay attention. But like to to close the loop, it also goes back to, if you don't have an ability to be in a relationship with yourself and and sit long enough to say like, oh, what is this? Where's this coming from? But not from a place of reactivity, from a place of awareness to then choose how to respond then all we're doing is putting band-aids on a sucking chest wound and expecting ourselves to survive. But I think as like business owners, as leaders, as entrepreneurs, if I had to give a metaphor, our job is to be the triage nurse. It's not to solve everything. It's not to fix everything. It's to have an awareness of the entire situation and sit with it long enough and collect the evidence to start making a calculated choice or respond differently but we have to be willing to pivot. Like agility is the key to this game. I, I like, I have a company this yeah, year, like that. one of, one of my companies this year, uh, we're trying to do a hundred million in revenue this year. We did 17 last year. Ooh. You want to talk about speed is have a team of 45 people that you have to pivot on a daily basis to go. And like, we ax more things than we add. Like we're like, chop, chop out. No, boom, boom. And it doesn't matter if it's the the VA customer service rep or the head of operations, everybody's ideas are valid. And we have this culture of like, nope, doesn't feel right. Oh, yep. Let's do more of it. But that changes every single day. Like I feel like every morning I strap my seatbelt and I tighten it more because I'm like, here comes the roller coaster. And we have to understand that change is constant. And you, you alluded to this earlier is that I think the hardest part is that entrepreneurship is the therapy that you never knew you needed. And it's supersized down. It's like 20 years every single day. But that also means that as you grow and as you evolve, and if you learn things, if you don't change the container and the way you operate, you end up getting held at your old self, not at your future self. And that's where all that resentment and that pain and that anxiety and that anguish and all those parts that people struggle with come in because you're allowed to grow too. You're allowed to be happy. You're allowed to be aligned. You're allowed to, to listen to yourself. 
Yeah. Like I fucking love when my team is like, that's dumb. I'm like, thank you. What should we do? And they're like, I want you to do this and this, like in my life by design is designed to be fun. Like, you'll know I'm on video all the time. And it's because I love doing video. I love emoting. I love relating. I love all of it, but I used to write, I used to write an email every single day for like two and a half years. I blogged every day for seven years. And then there hit a point where I was like, I fucking hate writing. Like I hate it. And then I was like, instead of being like, oh, I hate it. I don't want to do it anymore. I'm like, what's another way that I could do this? What's a fun way that this could be easy? What's a way that I could accomplish the same goal, but have it be aligned to where I want to spend my time. And video became the answer. But five years from now, I might not want to do video anymore. I love that. And, and, and I, I really do. I'm a big believer of that too. Like what's a fun way to do this? Like, what if it doesn't have to suck? Like we, we can pivot, we could change our mind. And I think that's how we met is that was, it was nine o'clock at night. Yeah. And I saw one of your videos or posts. I was like, I like this guy. And I'm literally in my pajamas and I recorded a video yeah, I remember. I to you. And I was like, eh, whatever, if he doesn't respond, he doesn't respond, but I just want to let him know. And it feels good. And I'm going to reach out and and I love video too. I love, I love audio too, just cause it's fast and easy. And then I'll have to worry about what I look well, like. And what's you know, what's interesting. And I want to give a point to this before I lose my thoughts, my ADD brain. But when you said earlier, like the soul, the shower, like it doesn't feel like you're writing the emails anymore. I think so many people forget that marketing is a transmission of our energy into the yeah. world and your copy could be good. And your image could be good and your product could be good, but your feeling and excitement and integrity about how you feel when creating it is sometimes all the differences required. And like people like, oh, that's bullshit. I'm like, no, no, no. I've gone into an e-commerce company and changed nothing except realign them to their mission, vision, purpose, and value. And a week later, they relaunched and doubled the business. Oh, true. Because it's, it is energy. Like sales is the transference of energy. That's all it is, right? Yes. And so- We have to understand that like, if you have a product, if you have a service, if you have coaching on the other side of that, as much as we like to think they're reading the words, less than 7% of communication is verbal. The rest of it is feeling, right? Consistency, congruency. How does somebody feel? And if you're misaligned, you can smell it from a mile away. Like we can all think about 10 times in the last month where we saw somebody coming or we heard them say something and our spidey senses went off fucking immediately. And we're like, no, but yet we go into our job and we're like, oh, I fucking hate writing this email. Let me keep writing it and expect a positive result. Yeah. It's like a boomerang. I always say it's like a boomerang. Do not hit send. Do not hit send. Do well, and then you asked send. earlier about this, how do we clean it up and get yeah. back into integrity? You know what I do is like, if I have a podcast to do that day and I don't feel like fucking doing it, I start the podcast and tell everybody, I don't feel like fucking recording this podcast today. And then all of a sudden it's my most popular episode. And then I get out of it because what I'm actually doing is I'm actually acknowledging my truth to where I really do want to do the podcast. Of course I do, or else I wouldn't have one, but there's a part of me like, actually, fuck it. 25 minutes before this podcast, I got off the phone with my wife and I got off the phone and I started crying. And I was like, I had so much sadness in my heart and in my belly. And I know I've been like on tilt because I've been sick and like a wounded little puppy sometimes. And I was like, man, like, all right, I'm going to go home. I'm going to change my schedule. I'm going to change those calls later. I'm going to go take my wife on a date. Boom, boom, boom. Of course, five minutes later, my wife calls me again. She's like, hey, I forgot to ask you something. And I was like, 
Hey babe, do you have a minute? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, I just cried. I feel really sad and I miss you. And then literally 30 seconds later, the entire feeling was gone. Yes. And then she's like, I was like, babe, I was thinking, she's like, don't you dare move your schedule. I'll see you when you get home. How do you feel? I'm like, oh, I feel better now. I just needed to acknowledge yes. how I was actually feeling in a container that supported me, which then allowed me to be like, all right, cool. I got this one. I got two more. I'll handle that meeting and I'll go home on fire rather than making up all this stuff about how I feel and expecting it to go away if I keep stuffing it down. You can't. And so Lock there's a- the river. There's an incredible book. I don't ever recommend going to the conference. I never went, but I ever heard horror stories called Radical Honesty. And, you know, <laughs> I've heard about this conference. Yeah, no, me too. And like, <laughs> I, had a, I, had a friend, I had a friend that goes, that went, and he's like, and I was like, you did what? No, 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 no. That is not healthy, but the concepts in the book, totally, totally healthy, right? And so, like, even in my team, even in my day, like, we had a team call this morning, like, how do you feel? I'm like, like, dog shit. I haven't slept. I'm stressed, but I don't want them to solve anything. I want them to be a witness to my truth and they have that same capacity. But you know what happens after that call? We all turn into like rocket ships and we go and go and go. I love it because I think for so many years too, I was stuck in like, I always have to be positive. I always have to feel good. And we we stuff stuff (coughs) down, right? And it's just, yeah, it's, it's amazing how quickly that transmutes the minute we acknowledge it and we see it and it's like, boom, there it is. It's out. And now that resistance, that block, that hardening of my heart, my heart's just open again. And, you know, now we can feel and we can receive and we can connect and man, it's so. And and earlier we were talking about this. I was going to share this earlier, but we were talking about like entrepreneurship and business and success, right. And all these different pieces. We also have this somehow broken paradigm that life is just about happy every day. And we actually rob ourselves of the depth of the rest of the human experience, which is why most people can't do their marketing because they try to speak from this disillusioned place of like, everything is great. Everything's rainbows and unicorns. Everything's great. Like you look at a social media account and you can tell from a mile away and you're like, okay, right. But then the moment you see somebody like I struggled today, or here's my mom face, or this is what happened. And they let you into the world, like intimately or transparently and authentically into what's actually happening. The level of trust as the receiver goes through the roof. The endowment goes through the roof. And all of a sudden we're like, I don't care what they put out. I'm going to support them. I'm going to tell my friends. I'm going to share them. I'm going to do it because it's that human relationship. But we have to realize that human relationships have to be led. And it's our job to invite people by example, not to tell them what we want them to do because we fucking refuse to do it. Yes. I always say we got to bring it. We got to bring what we're asking for. And man, it's hard sometimes, right? We're saying, I want more affection or I want more to be respected or I want to feel valued. It's like, all right, <coughs> did I go well, today? Yeah. Did and I like, go first? And earlier, like, how do we change the team culture? Like, I want my team to acknowledge people more. I want my team to show more gratitude. I'm like, great, start. Acknowledge them, show them gratitude. Ask them how their day is. Create that container, create that safety. Like, you don't have a team if people check fucking boxes. Like yeah. as much as I like sometimes talk shit about the Marine Corps after spending 13 years of my life on active duty. Which we didn't talk about at all, but. No, well, we can do like, we can do as many podcasts <laughs> as we want. But I think about it all the time and I'm like, how did we take 55 men who couldn't stand each other, like hated each other? We would get in fist fights, but then the moment we got dropped in country, we're like the most cohesive, I will die for you team. Yeah. 
And it's because we had this environment of like radical honesty and a shared mission, not I want you a certain way. Yes, leadership and like some toxic leadership in the military is like do it this way, this way, this way. But small unit leadership was all about like, no, you want to fight? Let's go. Oh, you hate me? Tell me. Right. And like it created this natural, natural safety net where people got to authentically express. So when the time came and we're like, I got you. And we go, and then we'd be done. And like, I don't want to talk to you for six months. I'll see you like for the next mission, right? But it was this radical honesty and full human expression that allowed it to happen. And it's the same thing for our customers. If you want me to tie into a marketing lesson, why do most people in fucking business struggle is because all we try to do is force our agenda on other people rather than invite them in to take it at their time. You look at most businesses, most marketing, what it is all driven by. How do I get my ROAS up? How do I get more sales? How do I get blank? How do I get get? exactly? And here's the craziest part. The gets, the credit card transactions account for less than 1% of your audience, which means the other 99% that are one to a hundred touch points away of making a decision based on how you make them feel all feel transacted upon because all we do is focus on the close. And then those 99% of the ones that account for the 86% of mouth of marketing, that's word of mouth. And the eight to 10 brand recommendations that come out of their mouth. And let me ask you something. Do you think you'll like what they'll say when they ask you a question? And you're like, oh, I can't answer your question unless you pay me. Yeah. No. That I've had that. And it's just like, what? That's insane. Also, going back to the manipulation energy that we were talking about earlier, because I put out, a, I think it was like a quick reel or something last week on like, when, when trust is broken or something like that, mm-hmm. a, a lot of men will say, okay, not just men, women too, will say, but how do I get her to trust me and just like get off my back? You know, like, how do I get her to just trust me and move on? And it's like, first of all, you can't get anyone to do anything because <clears throat> that would mean you're controlling, coercing, or manipulating them. And, you know, the question is really, how do I show that I'm trustworthy and how do I show? And, and, and I'm, I am... And that was, it was funny because I think it had like 12,000 views and like, of course it did. I was like, what is going on? So this is a hot topic, but it's like, I ran my business like this distorted way for years because I was taking advice from quote unquote experts. And, and, and I was like, it didn't feel good. It didn't feel good. And I, and not to be like all wooey, it's not about just all the feelings, but intuitively, like I knew I'm like, this is not good. You know, I didn't enjoy the process and I, you know, coming back to now, it's, it's, I mean, it's so bizarre. Sometimes I'm like, how on earth has my business grown so much? Cause like my, okay, George, I don't know. My list is shrinking and my, the open rate is growing. My list has shrunk and my income is growing. And it's almost like God has told me, you know, everything you thought you needed to grow your business. I'm not going to use any of that. Instead, we're going to use all this other stuff that people think is not really important. And so I actually have to, I'm curious on this because I know you're a marketing guru and I want to just, then I want to ask you some, you know, more personal questions real quick. But one of the things like I, I really had to lean into this because I talk a lot about conscious language. And I think that the words we speak, especially in the business realm have a lot of, I mean, they carry a lot of frequency. There's a lot of contraction in them. So I actually, you know, earlier this year said, okay, effective immediately, like, A, I'm not marketing anything because, but I'm, I'm showing up, I'm showing up everywhere and I'm just going to bring myself wherever I go. There I am. And I'm just going to be me. And like, 
I had to change the language even around like, I'm not marketing, I'm just showing up. I'm showing up to be who I am and attract those who wanna hang out and repel those who don't. And I also had to change the language, like I have nothing to sell. And I like say this now regularly in my emails and to my people, I'm like, look, I've, I truly, this is not, I really mean this was like, I don't, I have nothing to sell. I have invitations to make and you can either <coughs> come or you cannot come. I'm cool. Uh, obviously there's a quote unquote sale, you know, by the old language, but just even that little bit of language was like, I can't believe, I mean, it was wild how much it opened up my desire to start to show up more authentically. Cause before it's like my subconscious thought, like you have to market and market has to be this way. And like, then I was questioning like what I was putting out and is the message right? And like all the things, you know, and even like listening to the one podcast, I know I sound like I'm all over the place, but I just want to say like, I was listening to that podcast you did on the color, right? And you talked about intuitively choosing the pink. And I remember intuitively choosing the green, mm-hmm. which is very healing heart work. And that didn't happen because I researched which color is the most, whatever. It was just like, there was this inner knowing. And like when yeah. we change and we can listen and we can lean in. And so I just want to encourage to, you know, people listening to lean into what they're feeling, not on the surface, but like deep, you know, like, what are you drawn to? What are you repelled by? And like the power of language. Cause I mean, you're in that space, you're in the marketing sales, da, da, da. What do you think about this conscious language conversation? I mean, I think, I, I think it's the most important conversation to be had in the world because marketing is relationships and people focus on the smallest subset of it. Yeah. We need right? to like, define it. Like, but here, here's the thing. It's like, if, if I was to take everybody listening to this podcast, right. And we were all standing in the room at my event, right. There's going to be people that walk in the door and you hear them talk and you look, and then there's going to be somebody who walks in the door and everybody fucking notices them. And they didn't say a word Yeah, that has nothing to do with the words they share. It has everything to do with their presence and how they carry themselves. Right. Verbal communication is literally the most overutilized and undervaluable form of communication that exists. Say that again. Say again. Verbal communication is the most overutilized and undervaluable form of communication that exists. Mm. But yet people think it's the easiest one because it's the one that doesn't require the self-awareness and work to actually make a difference. And so when you think about marketing, if verbal communication accounts for seven to 8%, then we're basically saying I'm on a hundred percent chance of success and I'm going to play with 8% of the game. Yes. Well, the other 92% comes from you being fully aligned and it's not a strategy. It's a, it's a really a deep check-in, right? So like there's years, everyone's like, you need an email list. You need a website, you need a blank. I was doing $4 million a year and nobody even knew how to get a hold of me. (laughs) I love it. And they're like, what the fuck, right? But it's like, okay, cool. You're in a committed relationship. If I threw your phone in the trash, would you still find a way to talk to your partner? If I deleted and made iPhones disappear, would you find a way to communicate? Yes, because you have a relationship that's not predicated on a tool. That's what marketing is. That's what business is, right? So like, for example, and everyone's like, oh yeah, I'll give you a real fucking example. Can you imagine if you were only allowed in an Apple store, if you pre-committed to buying something you never touched? Mm, No. That's that's good, yeah. Yeah. But do you understand that less than 9% of people that go into an Apple store actually buy something when they're in the store? The rest of their times, they're having an experience and collecting evidence to make a decision to move somewhere else, right? So can you imagine 
if you took that same lens in your business, right? I'll say this openly. You've probably told people about me because of your interactions with me. I sent you a video. I met you and I was like, holy fuck, I'm going to introduce you to boom, 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 boom. And I basically, from an ethical integra standpoint, controlled the evidence that you had to share about me. And as a byproduct, have had a ripple that I will never even fully understand because of how you felt. And whether we ever do business together or work together, I don't give a fuck. All I care about is that when you had that interaction with me, that you left feeling better than when you got there. And so I tell people that my job is to turn no's into neutrals and neutrals into yeses. But we can't do that with a transaction. We can't do that with a put you in this bucket. And the only reason people default there is because as you're acknowledging, they refuse to be themselves and to be authentic. Like if you fucking hate how Instagram is done, then don't do it. Be different and don't give a fuck about the vanity metrics. They don't matter. They don't do anything. They do not matter at all. My Nothing. Clients come from the, <clears throat> the posts that have like three likes on them, you know? So it has n- nothing. <laughs> and it's like, and, and like, we have to understand that marketing is not silo based. It's not based on a platform. It's based on a world and that world and how people interact in that world is based on how they feel in that world. Yeah. And people are like, well, George, billboards don't work. I'm like, really? I was like, until you drive by that tire shop billboard every single day that you never see. And then the moment you get a flat tire, your first place to call that pops up is that one. That's brand awareness, right? It's multi-channel, multi-platform, multi-medium, but it's not agendized. It's not manipulative. You can't take a hundred people and put them into a quote unquote funnel. That's like you trying to control everything that people do. The only thing you can control is how you show up. So when they get an interaction, when they get a touch point, that it's consistent and congruent so that when they get another one and that was the one that they needed, they know where to come in and how they feel about doing it. And so it's so important to throw out the fucking agenda and the playbook if it has anything to do with how it should be done versus how you authentically want to be there. Like I have a client 14,000 Instagram followers. She is only on Instagram organically, does a half a million a month. Half a million a month with 14,000 Instagram followers. Her highest paid program is like $777 organically. Wow. And I was like, it's not about the numbers. It's about her essence and how she shows up and being aligned and being congruent, right? Like you won't get me on fucking LinkedIn with three proxies. Like, no. (laughs) I have been resisting LinkedIn myself. And everyone's like, you need to be on LinkedIn. You need to be on LinkedIn. I'm like, oh. Well, need is a shame-based word. Right. And so. not be shamed on LinkedIn. No. (laughs) Right? Like it doesn't matter. Like, you know, like we, we, we also rely so heavily on the internet, but yet you have to remember there were hundred million dollar businesses pre-internet. Yeah. And you know what they did? They had relationships with people, right? And like one of my favorite things to simplify marketing for people is to apply real world scenarios. And I'll give you another one, right? Like, cause there's a lot of people listening. Oh, I have a program. I have a course. Well, you probably have a fucking upsell too. A lot of people do, right? Can you imagine if you went to Whole Foods, I don't have a Whole Foods, but I'll use Whole Foods as an example, right? Whole paycheck. <laughs> and you're checking out and you finish scanning what you have, and then you get to the door and they're like, wait, Christine, do you want to add another dozen eggs? And you're like, no, I would have bought them. And so you're like, all right, cool. Then you walk to your car and like, wait, we'll give you four dozen for half the price. And like, at that point you get arrested for assault. 
right? And that would never fly, but yet we think it's okay to do on the internet. We think it's okay to treat people that way. And that's why people lose this game. Businesses and movements are not built by just the people who buy our products. They're built by every single person who has a touch point with our brand. And that touch point determines how they speak about us and how they speak about us is the immeasurable marketing that will either kill you or catapult you. Amen. And even in our, like our employees, like I'm just going, I keep coming back to that because it is a long-term relationship. For sure. It's a long-term relationship. And I know, you know, I, I want to, I have a, I have a, I have a point on this one too. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I'm glad you said it, but here's another thing. The amount of people I see that have teams that create codependent containers to hold them small blows my fucking mind. Yeah. Your job as an employer, should be to get that team member to outgrow you as fast as possible. Mm. Not to hold them small to serve your needs. Woo! That's right. They're not there to serve you. Because you want to know what's funny? Is when you do that, they never leave. But when you try to control them and you don't support their opportunities, like, no, no, I need you, I need you, I need you. Guess what? Their body takes over and they get reactions. They're like, get me out of here because it's not safe. It's it's like an intimate relationship. With some people yes. are terrified to be monogamous or whatever. And sometimes I have these conversations with people. They're like, I got so much love. But really what's happening is like, no, you're terrified of commitment. But the terrified. Is, the more I devote myself. And my husband, I know I could tell him tomorrow, babe, I'm going to Italy for a month. And, and he'd be like, go. But, and and I, it's like. I have ultimate freedom. I can do whatever I want. Ultimately, I'm so devoted to him. And I'm so like, I want to be here. I want to be close to him. I want to bring him into the adventure. And, you know, and it's, and I would still go if I truly felt, whether it's going on an adventure or going on a trip, joining a thing. But it's, it's so interesting that we think these things are going to keep. Well, and it's so funny because based on that relationship, it actually makes you want to share more. It makes you want to have him involved. It makes you want to do these things, right? Like, so in my team, you can only get fired one of two ways. Only one of two ways. You either steal from me or you lie to me. Everything else is a leadership challenge on my plate. Because I can train skills all day, yeah. right? But that's it. And like, you want to know what's funny is like, if I don't hear from my team for five days, I'm like, oh my God, you're fired. I'm like, how are you? And they're like, oh, I've been doing this, this, this. I filled my bucket here. Oh, and by the way, I have 8 million ideas. And I'm like, oh, okay, now I need five days. Jesus, yeah. right? Yeah. But like our job to realize and remember, like, I think the easiest way to think about this is that you remove the transaction, you remove the top line, you remove the revenue, you remove all of it. Your people on your team are no different than the people you're communicating with and both have to be whole for things to work and complete. And so, yes, when I say this, like when I go into companies, typically, especially big ones, the easiest needle mover for me is to isolate the team from the leadership and let them dump on me. And I mean, they right, dump that. on me. Yeah. They're like, they fucking did this. They did this. They did this. They did this. Right. And this is my favorite part. And if you're listening to this and you're a client, you remember, I'm not sorry, but it works every time. I let the staff dump everything on me. And then I bring the C-suite back in. I'm like, sit down and listen. There's one rule. You can't say shit. Yeah. And they're like, okay. And then I let the staff tell them everything they told me. Yeah. And you want to know what happens? Magic. Every that container to purge, they've got to purge that out as part of the healing, right? For sure. Right. And so I think like what we have to remember is like, we think about marketing. Marketing is just relationships at scale. That's all it is. 
and at the core need of a human being. They need to feel seen, heard, and respected, right? And if that is the undertone of everything that you do, it's funny how many shitty marketing messages work based on how people feel and how you interact with them. Seeing how you shrink your numbers, your revenue grows. You care more out of alignment and it breaks the strategies and tactics, but yet you close more deals. It's because people have the most insane filter for bullshit and it's only getting worse and worse and worse. And so it's crazy to me that I get paid to teach people to be decent human beings. But the reason I say you should never compete on with is because you'll always lose, but you're guaranteed to win on depth. Yep, baby. That's where it's at. I love the deal. And so like, and, and so to, to think about this, like for example, and like, I, I want to give people tangible fucking examples because yeah. they need to understand. I've come to people all the time. George, I only have 10,000 Instagram followers. I want 20,000. I'm like, cool. I'll open their profile and I'll see their last four posts that have had 30 comments. They haven't responded to any of them. Right. And I was like, you have to feed the children you have before you can adopt any new ones. Yeah. Right. And I was like, do me a favor for the next 30 days. All I want you to do is every time somebody comments, acknowledge them and respond to the comment because you're also conditioning that if somebody comments, they're not going to get a response and then they're going to leave your business. And I was like, so I want you to start there. And I was like, you know what else I want you to do? They're like, what? I'm like, cool. That post also had 700 likes on it. And they're like, yeah, why didn't they comment? I'm like, oh, what? You think people owe you a fucking comment, right? Get off your entitled ship. And I was like, do me a favor. Take one post a week and everybody who liked it and didn't comment on it, go comment on one of their last posts. I get a phone call two weeks later. I'm getting 400 comments a post and I've got 3,000 new Instagram followers this week. What am I, what's happening? And I was wow, like, that's interesting. And I was like, well, imagine you switch the game around. Imagine you took your business and put it in a brick and mortar store and you had 30 people walk in the door and acknowledge you, say good morning or ask you a question and you ignored every one of them. Yeah. How many would come back and how many would tell their friends? And so we have to understand that the easiest way to build million dollar businesses with marketing, give yourself real world examples and ask yourself how this would go in the real world. And typically you'll find the fastest solutions possible that will give you every result that you've ever wanted to have. Because mm-hmm. if you're sitting there in a room, whether it's 50 people or five people, you're still going to show up and love them. It'd be like, oh, there's not enough of you in the room or 5,000 or whatever. Right? Matter. We always think we need a bigger platform, a bigger, you know, whatever. Well, and it comes down to scarcity, right? The more, I need more. I need more strategy, more tactics. I need more sales. And I was like, More comes from a place of unacknowledging what you have, which is based in scarcity, which means your lens is always going to be broken. Always. But if you go back to what we said in the beginning and you really check in with yourself and you are willing to get realigned and ask yourself, is like, what we doing? Is this aligned to why I started this? Is this the best way? Does this feel good? Does this feel whole? And you take that lens, you'll start to find the biggest answers in the world because I'm going to tell you right now, no strategy and tactic can scale a broken foundation. And you might've poured a solid one, but they crack over time. There's weather, there's world events, there's things like that. And you constantly have to check it to make sure that it's there. And if there's a crack, solve it, plug it, fix it, make sure you're alive. Slowing down for a lot of us, some slowing <clears throat> down to be able to see what's actually going on. Well, and, and, and it's good though, because like none of us would want to be driving a car with no tires on it. Like you have to check, you have to realize that 
There is no out hustling bad habits. There is no out hustling disconnection. There is no out strategy and tacticing things that don't feel good in the middle, right? Like it, it's really easy for me to tell. Like when I pull into my office in the morning, if I am a little bit off, I'm like, nope, no work until I figure out where this is fucking yes. come from. Yeah. I, yes to that. And whether I'm like, literally whether I'm pulling cards or like I had to step up my, my breath work for presence. I now wear a stethoscope when I do my breath work and I listen to my own heart. Ooh, that's, that is up. That's up in the game on the breath work for sure. You want to know what's funny is three listens to a heartbeat. And I am so grounded, connected, and clear on who I am. And it works every single time. And so we have to realize that we as an entrepreneur, we are the greatest weapon that we have. But if you neglect it, if you ignore it, if your check engine light comes on and you pretend it's not there, you can't get upset that your engine seizes. Because at the end of the day, no matter which way you slice it, ultimately everything is going to be on your plate. And so if you can shift your recognition and your focus in and start there, everything that follows will waterfall out into alignment. I don't know, i.e. like, I don't need an email list and a strategy and tactic. And now I have more clients than ever. And my mastermind sells out without even promoting it. Yeah. Beautiful. It's really cool, but it requires a lot of trust. It requires a lot of trust and a a lot of courage, right? Because you are going to do things right. pretty much the opposite of how you've done them in the past. And uh, yeah, it's I call it the great unknown is like, are you willing to go in there? But man, it's so beautiful when we can operate this place because, you know, it goes back to the business can be fun, like actually fun. And it can feel like I love co-creation now, whether it's yeah. creating new projects, writing this book, the podcast, like I don't sit down and try to force anything myself. It's just like, all right, what are we creating, God? Like, let's go, you know? And it's really being in that dance. So I love it. And then like to, to play with my competitive edge really quickly. Yeah. I still have a big competitive edge. And so what I do is I realize that if I'm doing it somebody else's way, I have to acknowledge that I'm building their vision and not mine. That is so good. That is so good. And I'm going to, I have to say, I'm going to raise my hand. Those of you listening, like, I would say this is probably the one thing that I have struggled with the most. Um, because I think all those years of being an athlete too, like I'm just programmed from the beginning, like athletics saved my life, you know, really did. And athleticism and being in sports and having to be the best and like winning and going to world championships, like all this stuff is like just the pushing and like the constantly looking to make sure like, what's my time relative to that. And I've done so much work, like deep work on this, you know, and yet it's still, I know right away when there's a little bit of contraction in the business, whether it's money stops flowing or things start to feel resentful or, oh, I'm not enjoying it. It's always because I'm looking sideways or I'm comparing, like, I should be doing this different. Like, you know, and I just brought up the email list thing because that's something that often goes through my mind. It's like, what am I doing? I should have way more people on my list by now, but it's, and it's so, but then I get so excited when I see how many people are opening and I can actually see who opens the emails. Right. So it's like, I actually click on and I want to see who those 50% that are opening are. And it's, then I think about those 50% of people being here and listening and stuff like that. And it's just going back to your point of acknowledge, do I appreciate what I have? Well, and the athlete, the athlete analogy for those that don't understand when you say looking sideways, I think that needs a little bit of love for a minute, because at the end of the day, the greatest athletes realize they're only competing against one person. Yeah. Themselves. Right. Like in, Uh, Jeff Spencer is a dear friend of mine. He's coached 75 Olympic gold medalists. He's like the world's biggest mindset coach. He's incredible. Um, and he shares all these stories all the time. And, and, you know, the one that I always share with people, it's like, you know, Michael Phelps is incredible, right? 
but there's only one reason that Michael Phelps has the record. It's because the guy that was about to win looked at him right before the wall and he won by like two one hundredths of a second. And if that guy never looked, Michael Phelps would have never won that medal, but he only won the medal because he didn't look. And so, yes, you have to have grace and self-love to realize that there is no perfect performance. Entrepreneurship is like the game of golf. It's guaranteed to be broken every single day. And you practice what you can practice. You control what you can control, but you were never your last at bat. You're what you do with the information to make an adjustment and make an adjustment. And that's the name of this game. And so, yeah. And like, here's the funny part about it is like my buddy, Jim Quick says this all the time. He says, uh, you can't get upset about results you don't have from the work you didn't do. Mm -hmm. And I have entrepreneurs that are like, I love being an entrepreneur, but tell me how to do it. And I was like, wait, entrepreneurship is my buddy, Alex Sharfin says the, uh, the, the arsonist guy is we go out into the future and demand something possible. And then we have the courage to come back into the present and build it every single day until it becomes a reality. Totally the mystery of the unknown. <laughs> because your vision is unknown. You have not had it yet. You have not seen it yet. You have not realized it yet. So if every day you're like, oh, this is how I'm going to get there. You're fucking wrong. If you're doing it somebody else's way and you're building their vision. And so unknown is a beautiful, beautiful place because it's a blank canvas. But when you can control what you can control, and I mean this from a place of alignment, right? I have zero control over any outcome that I create in this world, but I have a hundred percent control of every input that I give it. And if that's coming from a place of, I feel good about this, this made the difference, this felt aligned to me, then I don't really give a fuck where it places on the scale. I'll keep flexing that muscle until the desired result is good. But we also have to realize that as entrepreneurs, we create this mental masturbation trap that just sets us up in this chaotic fail over and over and over. The unknown is the thing that you're guaranteed to have every day. And so is change. And so great. Don't get shocked when it's out there, like acknowledge that it's there. And that's what being an entrepreneurship is. That's what being a leader is. This happens inside of a company. I don't care which way you slice it, what your benefits package, what your fucking salary is, or how many times they tell you they'll never get rid of you. The moment somebody starts telling me they'll never get rid of me, my red flags go off like crazy. Mm. And I'm like, nope, time for me to buckle down and control more what I can control because I have no control over that. None, but I have full control over how I show up and what I own. And I think it's really, really important to understand that. It's not from a place of shame. It's not from a place of blame. If you sign up to win a race and you don't win, you're still a fucking winner because you ran. Don't beat yourself up and be like, no, what can you tweak? What can you adjust? How can you be in alignment? And then you play to your strengths and allow yourself to co-create that vision of your life and keep heading in that direction because everything else is a guaranteed lose-lose battle. Mm-hmm. It really is a game. It really is a game and we're all choosing how to play, right? It is. I'm sorry. I would rant for like 10 hours on this subject. No, I love it. I love the passion. That's why I like you because it's like this man has fire. He is obviously passionate about what he does. And I appreciate that because, I mean, passivity is the killer in relationships and passivity is the killer in, in business and everything else. I've never used that word in that tense, but I'm going to start using it in that tense. Passivity. I'm, I'm here for that one. I love passivity that. Passivity is the killer. You know, I, give me some fire on the rest. <coughs> so I love it. And I appreciate, I appreciate this conversation. It's really good. Um, so what are you like, if you were to support people, 
right yeah. now. Someone was like, okay, how can, like, how can this guy support me? And you, he talked about all these things, all these different businesses that he's doing. Like, George, what is your magic today? Where can, how can you support somebody moving forward? Like, yeah, you know? my, ma- my magic hasn't changed in a long time. And I don't foresee it changing until you're reading my eulogy. <laughs> Um, your gifts, your genius, your your zone. So, so here's the deal. It's really, really easy. If you care about people, you care about making an impact, and you really do believe humans matter over transactions, I can help you in a lot of different ways. But if those things don't ring true to you, number one, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> you found Some the wrong- like to criticize, you know? You found the wrong corner of the internet. Uh, and number two, if you do- um, my team and I will support you any way that we can. But here's what I recommend. My podcast, Christine listens to it. I basically share everything that everybody else charges money for uh, to help you and to empower you because we believe that you have to win first. I primarily focus on mindset, relationships, and customer journey, and it applies to all businesses. But here's, I'd say you're in one of two camps right now. Number one, you're like, all right, he belongs in a straight jacket, but I'm a little open. I'd go check out my podcast. It's called The Mind of George Show. It's on all platforms. And if you're like, I have a question, oh my God, I want to talk about customer journey. I want to change how I communicate. You can DM me personally on Instagram and I will respond and I will send you any resource I have for free. I don't want your email. I don't know. I will help you. I will give you a, a video. I will give you a resource. I will do anything. And so my Instagram is it's George Bryant and the it's is included because uh, some 80 year old realtor in Michigan won't give me the regular one. <laughs> um, and I'm too sunk in at this point. So it's staying at it's George Bryant, but my, my Instagram is it's George Bryant. And I mean that if you have any questions, if I created confusion. If you want clarity on something, if you want to vent to me, if you want to tell me I'm crazy, I welcome all of it and just shoot me a message and uh, I'll do anything I can to support you. Mm, So good. So good. I love that. Send him a DM with any questions, especially around customer journey. You have my wife's permission to slide into my DM. She's here (laughs) for it like all day, all day. Well, thank you for being here on this conversation about just coming back to the humanity of business. Like that, you know, we're in a new era. We're in a new era of doing business. Times are changing. We're in a new age of heart to heart, human to human connection. And it's blowing up. A beautiful, a beautiful world is opening up. And I really invite all of you listening to become part of it. So I just want to thank you, George, for being here. And, um, just being in this awesome conversation with me and you guys, as always, if you enjoy the show, I would so appreciate you leaving a review for us. And just right now, if there's someone that you're thinking of that as you're listening to this podcast, like <coughs> share this podcast with a friend, share with someone who needs to hear this message. That's part of the co-creation as you get to be in it with us. Um, this is not just us showing up, but it's also you are part of the voice spreading the message. So thank you for being here until next time. Here's to loving fiercely and leading courageously as warriors of the heart. Bye for now. Thanks again for joining me in today's episode. It is my intention to bring you valuable heart shifting content every time that will upgrade your life. If you're a new listener, make sure you follow the podcast so you can stay up to date as future episodes roll out. And I invite you to head on over and join my free community, Warriors of the Heart on Facebook. In there, you'll find bonus trainings, a game-changing assessment tool, and exclusive member-only offers. Until next time, Warriors, here's to loving fiercely and leading courageously in the untamed life, the only life worth living.